Hey, you're listening to The Treehouse Storyteller. Meet me in the treehouse for God-shaped storytelling. Treehouse Storyteller is where we can come together as messy parents seeking Jesus together and raising kids to love him too. If you aren't scared of addressing cultural issues head on and finding a deeper understanding of the biblical worldview to share with your children, then you've come to the right place. I'm not afraid to be transparent and tell all of the juicy details. Our children are being chased by the world and it is our job to be well-equipped and know not only how to lead our flock, but successfully send our arrows out into the world one day to build the kingdom. So snuggle up by the fire or soak up the sunshine with those earbuds in and meet me in the treehouse for some biblical storytelling. Oh my word, okay. We are pretty much going to talk today about the biggest lie your kids are told. But in reality, it's the biggest lie anyone has ever been told, including yourself. So last week's topic with Tess Scott as my guest, we touched on identity and truth. And I really just want to spend some time here and like expand on both of those topics today. And I know in, goodness, I'd have to look back, maybe I'll put it in the show notes of what episode it was that we really talked about the creation story. But I think for most of us to like really wrap our head around how big God is and how true our identity is and, you know, really just the depth of our faith and the depth of our human nature, we have to go back to Genesis 1. And it's been taught by many, many, many people, myself included, that if you don't first believe Genesis 1, you're not going to believe the gospel story. You're not going to believe that Jesus rose from the grave on the third day. You're not going to believe that he died on the cross for your sins. You're not going to believe that you are worth that kind of salvation You're not going to believe that you are loved that much. You're not going to have that kind of faith if you don't first believe that we worship a God that can create the entire earth and everything in a week. I mean, that's (laughs) like we've got to start somewhere, right? So like if we first wrapped our head around that, then now, okay, all right, I can believe this. I believe that. I believe Genesis 1. It's really hard to believe, but I'm going to choose to believe it. I'm going to choose to write those words on my heart and live by that and like make decisions based on the fact that we have a creator God that is so perfect in the way that he's formed every rock and cell and snowflake and human even knitted inside of a mother's womb. Like if you're going to believe that, then it's easier to believe that he also provided a way for us to be saved through Jesus, his one and only begotten son. So I went deep real fast there, didn't I? Um, But that's where just a recap of like, that's the level of believing. If you've never heard those things, like reach out, like let's have a, let's have a conversation later on. But I just wanted to kind of recap that like creation story, because if we don't first get that, then it's hard to get anything else. And so I got to thinking about this. If we don't first also Look at Genesis 2, chapter 2, in the fall, 
with Adam and Eve in the garden, and we've got Satan that appears, if we don't look at how that took place and how that happened, then are we really understanding the lies that are in front of us in our culture today? So one of the things that Tess, Scott, and I kind of talked about, and she just kind of like home run to this concept. Um, I don't have a direct quote from her, but she basically said, let me tell you, I know if there's anything that I know to be true, that I know that I know that I know to be true, it's God's word. And it was just such an incredible moment hearing that from her because you could just feel the truth in that of like, if there is anything true, it's God's word, like nothing else we know for sure, but we know that God's word is. And I just love that. And I wanted to continue today with really understanding that. And, but the opposite of truth is obviously the lie. And we don't want to meditate on the lie. We want to meditate on the truth. But I think it's also interesting for us parents that we also have to expose the lies, right? Like, and that's part of my job, like part of my calling for you guys, because I don't want you sitting there watching this stuff and sitting there and just absorbing all of these crazy things. And I follow some people that expose really, really gnarly stuff that I just, I don't even want to talk about because there's so many ugly lies happening in the world, uh, especially to our kids. But I definitely do want to educate and I want to expose the ones that we really need to know about. And I think if we look at it from just a very basic concept, horrible, but basic concept that the enemy, Satan came to steal, destroy, cheat. If we look at it from that standpoint, then it's pretty simple to separate the truth from the lie. Okay, so let's get in. I'm going to make some paper noise with my Bible, and I just can't read this on the screen. Like, I have to use my Bible. It was super cute. Like, I recorded with my four-year-old in the room, and she's like, Mommy, can I watercolor while you're recording your podcast? And I'm like, yeah, that's a great quiet activity, and I'm sure you can sit there for, you know, long enough that I can record my episode. Well, at the very end of the episode, if you really pay attention, go back if you haven't listened to it, you can hear her clanking her paintbrush in the water cup. And it's like the cutest thing. And I wanted so badly to edit it out, but I'm like, you know what? This is real motherhood. This is me talking to you, trying to connect with you on a biblical level and spread some foundational truths about just how to combat parenting in today's culture. And today's culture tells us stick the kid in front of a tablet so you can get your work done. And I'm, I'm not putting myself on a pedestal, but I'm like, you know what? I think it's okay. She clanks some, some paintbrushes and you can hear it. I think it's pretty cute. Okay. Fun story. Anyway, I just, you know, those of you that work from home, especially understand that and have some kids at home. And I think we've got to stop being, this is like my side segue here. Uh, but I think we've got to stop being so critical of especially ourselves. I think we understand it when, when someone else has that kind of glitch in their perfect little presentation or their perfect podcast recording or, you know, anything like that. Like we give grace to other people, but we don't often give it to ourselves or our own children. And so I just challenge you to find something like, okay, where... Where am I seeking perfection 
And that would be, you know, for me and my podcast recording, like, let's make this a clean cut. Let, so I don't have to edit a bunch of stuff, like make it nice and smooth and not a bunch of background noise. Don't let the dog bark. But I think we've got to give ourselves grace. And so kind of like a challenge to myself, but in front of you guys is to try and just let go a little, like not have to let it be so perfect because we're all real and we're all human and we're all fallen and we all have stinking adorable kids if we're parents. And, you know, some of them are snottier nose than others, but, you know, we're just bear with that. So anyway, <laughs> Genesis 2, it's 2 and 3. We get into the fall and we get in chapter 2, 16, we see, And the Lord God commanded the man, Adam, saying, Of every tree of the garden may you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So he is talking about eating. Okay. It just says eat. Nowhere does it say touch or look at. It just says eat. So then in chapter three, you see after Eve has been created, and I just really wonder, like, how long were they together before this happened? Like, I really want to know that. Like, was time, like, was it weeks and years? Or was this, like, day two they sinned? Like, it'd be it'd be so interesting. I can't wait to ask when I get to heaven that question. Like, how long did they live in this beautiful bliss to then not have it anymore? Okay, so Eve's interpretation of what God told Adam looks differently. So we see... In chapter 3, verse 2, well, let's start at the beginning of chapter 3. Now, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. So, you know, Eve's taking it a step further and saying, nor shall you touch it. God didn't say that. So it's like this instant little lie that first of all, she has let her heart believe, even though it was not what God said. And then that's how the enemy gets her. Because he says, then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, which may have been true about touching it. She could have probably touched it just fine. But God told her not to eat it. So like, inserts this little like, how, you know, it's tr possibly a truth. But it's really a manipulative truth becoming a lie. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Okay, so God gave them a choice to be obedient to him or not. And so because they chose to give in to the temptation and to give in to the lie that the enemy put before them, that is why then they became cursed and severed their re perfect relationship with God. I just, I wanted to start with that because I think a lot of us that have, you know, been Christians forever and like, oh, I've been a believer my whole life. Like, how often do we go back and read the creation story and like really meditate on that? And I think it's so important for us to remember 
why God made us in the first place. Like he made us out of this perfect love. And we so quickly, don't know how many days or weeks or years, but we so quickly in the timeline screwed it up. And we so quickly gave in to temptation. And so in today's culture, going back to the biggest lie your kids are told, the biggest lie you've been told is really giving in to the world being able to offer something greater or better or more fulfilling or a bigger promise than anything God's given. And we are comparing earthly life or earthly minded living to kingdom minded living. And it's so quick that we see our children so, so quick that they just instantly gravitate towards self gratification and what are my needs and that toy is mine and you can't have it and I want it and mine, 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 mine. <laughs> like it's, it's so, so quickly once they can talk and grab things like it's all theirs. They just want everything for themselves. And I'm not just sitting here going, oh, these children are pure evil. But in, you know, like we are a fallen world and we're given over to sin and we have to make a choice, a conscious choice. We have the free will that God has given us to choose obedience in Christ or to choose obedience to the ways of the world. And we are often, I feel like having one foot in and one foot out and we're doing the hokey pokey and we're turning ourselves around and going, what am I doing? I'm like half and half and this stuff doesn't make sense. And we're overwhelmed because we're trying to please the world and we're trying to please our flesh while simultaneously trying to do the right thing and please God. And we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. I love that reminder, going back to the beginning, going back to Adam and Eve, and just seeing the betrayal that happened so quickly, because they were given a choice. And the world had that temptation right in front of them. Okay, so let's back some of this up with some more scripture. So Proverbs 14.22 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but it ends in the way of death. So if we are choosing from our flesh or from a, a place of worldly flesh, human desires, we're going to essentially go the wrong way. But if we choose kingdom and choose you know, to make decisions that are building the kingdom, that are, that are exalting God, that are bringing glory to our Lord. That is the way the Bible tells us. Proverbs 22, 6 is the, is the verse probably most of us know about training up a child. So I'll just read it to you really fast. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. So I spent some time digging on this verse this week. And I found some interesting insight that kind of shows that the word should, so the way he should go, as in the child, actually the word should doesn't really have a perfect translation from Hebrew, and it was kind of just placed there. Uh, This is not a conversation of saying the Bible is inaccurate or not God-breathed or there was a mistake here, but rather just the, the translation is just not as 
great as maybe it could be from one language to the next. And I mean, that happens, which is why it's really good to understand the original context and do word studies and all of that. And then just pray, pray, pray that the Holy Spirit helps to reveal the words to your heart. And that's really the most important thing is because it's a God-breathed living word, we worship a living God, then God, who is alive and well through the Holy Spirit working inside of us, can help to transform our lives and our minds through His Word. So it's get, it's gotten misused. And actually, like if you think of it this way from the should part kind of being not necessarily really there, then it, it reads a little bit different. So uh, if that one word's removed, it would sound more like this. Train up a child in his own way, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Well, then you're like, okay, well, that's not like as useful to, you know, say at the, the baby dedication or the baptism, like that one doesn't work as well. But actually, if you think of it in a different way, it becomes more of a warning to parents than a promise. So often the way that we've used it, and we've been guilty, my husband and I both have been guilty of using it this way, whether it's right or not, like we have used it the way that the child should go when he's old, he will not depart from it as kind of an equation of like, okay, if we train up our kids, if we teach them the Bible, if we take them to church, if we use this homeschool curriculum, if we correct them on all these things, then they won't depart from it because the Bible says so. Like this, this Proverbs totally tells us that that's, that will be good. But then you see time after time after time, Christian households have children walk away from the Lord. They succumb to a very dangerous, sinful lifestyle. Like, okay, well, what in the world? Like I thought there, we, we gave them everything, you know, like you've got the parents that are just beating themselves up going, what did I do wrong? Like, I thought I did all the things. Well, at the end, the child has that room to choose because just like Adam and Eve, they have the same decision to make. They have the same temptations. They have the same evil, dark leader called Satan that wants to pull them away. And they're, he's fighting for their soul. So it is not always the parent, right? Okay, so think of it this way, more of a warning, if we're a lazy parent, (laughs) if we have kind of the hands-off approach of like, well, they're going to do what they want to do, and well, it just is what it is, and just this, this inability to really like guide and correct and steer and train, then because you've left the child to their own devices, you've left the child to their own thoughts and their own decision-making skills, they're going to grow old and they're going to just do what they want to do. Like that's essentially what this Proverbs is saying if you look at it from that direction. And that one honestly makes a lot more sense to me when I read it that way. So that, that was really interesting insight and really like a good motivator, guys. Like if we just leave our kids be and let them make the decisions, make the choices, do all the things that they want to do, like, are we really training them up? Or are we just leaving them to their own way? And they're just going to keep going in that own way. This other verse 
uh, just a little bit down in the same chapter, verse 15, Proverbs states, fully is bound up in the heart of a child, or as the King James says it this way, which I, I like this one, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Whether you take this to the level of like, does that rod mean spanking or not? The point is that the children will not make wise choices and thus need us for guidance while they learn right from wrong. Now, can children make wise choices? Yes. Are they statistically always going to make wise choices? No. Is my son going to leave the milk out 99% of the time he gets it out of the fridge? Yes. <laughs> you know, like their brain is still developing. And it's not until I believe you're 25 that your brain is fully developed. And yet we send people off to their own way, to their own devices, to make all the decisions for their life at what, 18? We have to keep our hand in our parenting. And I'm so thankful that my parents, even though I went away to college, my parents still kept a close eye and a close hand and they weren't scared to offer me correcting advice. And I hated it. I hated it so much. But now looking back, I am so, so thankful that they didn't just go, well, she's an adult. She's out of our house. We don't care. She'll do what she wants. But they stayed invested in my heart and they stayed invested in, invested in my life. And we've got to do the same for our kids. So we have something, if you're a believer, we have something that the world does not have. We have the word. The world has the world, but we have the word. We have an eternal story laid out in front of us to read and meditate on and then share with our children. Okay, where are my bakers out there? Think of the most amazing thing you have ever made that your kids loved and made you feel so proud and fulfilled to bless your children and family with this like beautiful baked good. Or my sourdough makers, I know you're out there. Remember how much they licked the spatula, probably not for sourdough, but you know, keep going with me. Maybe it's a cupcake. Remember how much they lick the spatulas, they clean and ask for thirds. <laughs> or maybe baking's not your thing. Um, and you don't even know who Julia Child is. <laughs> maybe you know the best park to take your kids to play at. It has all of the right playground equipment, a place for them to use their scooter, even a splash pad in the summers. Your kids just love when you finally say yes to taking them. They beg and beg and beg, please, please, please. And you finally say yes, and they're so excited. This level of excitement and pleasure and like bringing something to t the table for your kids to rejoice over, this is how we have to start seeing the gospel with our children. It is that level. It is beyond that level. It is all the baked goods and all the parks and all of the fun everythings. It is their favorite thing that they don't fully know yet. They don't know it's their favorite thing. And you've got to show them why it's their favorite thing because it is their salvation. It is their truth. It is every bit of guidance and encouragement and life-giving words that they... They can't get anywhere else. So the promise of eternal life has to trump the special treat in the park day. 
those things are great. Keep doing them. Keep taking them there. But we have to start prioritizing our hearts over our flesh. What does this look like? You've got to ask that hard question, like, what does that look like in my life? For us, for our family, it's giving up my own quiet time in the morning. That's like sacred time for me. Like, I want to not be touched or looked at or ask a question. Like, I want to be in a deep, 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 dark prayer room kind of sacred place with the Lord and my Bible and like really good pens and like a notebook but maybe it's giving up my quiet time while everyone else is in bed and instead sharing what I learn with them when they're awake. It's making sure you're taking your kids to Bible teaching churches. That's a big one. And that might sound like an easy one, but it's not. There are so, so, so many pastors. Look up the statistics, guys. They're there. There are so many pastors all over our nation that would say, yeah, I don't believe the Bible is absolute truth or 100%. Like this part, yes, but not that part. They pick and choose what they want. They TED talk their way through the sermon. They're not speaking the word of God. Be sure you're going to a church with your kids teaching the Bible. What's at stake here if your kiddos don't learn that the Bible really is the best thing they could have, that Jesus is the absolute way to live their life. Ask yourself that. It's kind of one of those things where like we as parents have to make decisions like, oh, well, gymnastics won't fit into our schedule this week. Well, shoot, like, how are we going to do that? And we, we work so hard to make sure that we get the kid to the thing and you ask your neighbor to help you drive them. But then are we working that hard to making sure our kid's see the gospel. Guys, I'm talking to myself here too. I am not way up high. I'm not above you in any way, shape or form other than I have a microphone and I know how to plug it into my computer. And that's funny because it took me like nine months to figure out how to properly install all of my equipment. So just, you know, there you go. I just, it was like a whole new concept doing audio for me. So only difference between you and I right now is that I have an ability to record this. Otherwise, the Lord is teaching all of us this at the same time and working through it and holding each other's hands and standing next to each other going, come on, guys, like, we've got to make this happen. We've got to prioritize reading the word with our kids. So today, I'm just going to leave you with this. Any temptation that we are faced with is ultimately luring us to go down our own path instead of God's path. Wait, before you go, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and follow us on Facebook or Instagram at the Treehouse Storyteller so we can stay connected. Head on over to the treehousestoryteller.com for more products, artwork, photography, and encouragement. See you next time.